Hello there. Welcome to the Heavy Hole. My name is Tom. I'm Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Antonio Banderas. Yeah, that's right. You are not being deceived by your ears right now. Will is taking guitar lessons. It's official as of now. No, it's not. I pranked everybody. I don't need any guitar lessons. I got like six death metal bands. I got to sing four. That's crazy. Uh, welcome to the Heavy Hole Podcast. How you doing, Tom? I'm doing all right. Uh, we're missing Justin, but me personally, I'm fine. Yeah. You might be missing Justin. I'm, yeah. I have a lot of room on the couch tonight. I spread out a little bit. It's great. No, I got a guitar next to me now. It's great. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like uh, I said, lessons. No, shout out to Jay Wall. All kidding aside, we, we miss him. Uh, we're, you know, we're kind of doubling up. We're taking some odd hours on the podcast here, trying to give everybody uh, the most content we can at the best quality we can. So every once in a while, our schedules don't align like the stars do. Amen. <laughs> well, wait a minute. You 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 just provided the perfect segue. We were going to do the weekend, but uh, just keep in mind uh, uh, that Tom, Tom blessed off the intro. Um, Tom, though, how was your weekend before we get started? Uh, weekend? Oh, yeah. I uh, <laughs> That good, huh? Yeah. So I put a down payment on a Jeep Wrangler. So okay. if you see me on the road, feel free to... Knock me off the road because I'm going to be one of those guys. Off roader. Yes, you can just. I'll be fine. Driving it's, it around with all the mud and everything still on it, you know. Yeah, exactly. I'll be yeah. driving around Huntington. Like, <laughs> I love it. Where are you coming from? Yeah. My house. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the summer it's going to come in handy with the beaches. In the winter it's nice if it snows. It makes sense out here. I yeah, get it, it does. It's it's good for you. Man. Yeah. So that that's cool because uh, I haven't I haven't got a car in a while because I've just been Ubering everywhere because it's easy. That's what the young people do. I don't know. You need a... Uh, I think I need a different phone for that or something. I don't know what... <laughs> yeah. I don't know how it works. You know those Uber it. calling cards. My phone isn't smart enough. I don't yeah. get it. I don't know. Oh, yeah. One more thing. So yesterday, yesterday being Monday, because we're, we're doing this on Tuesday tonight. Yeah, that I, way, hence the off hours thing. We're all crazy out here. I was cutting um, my other podcast, Roast Mortem, and at the end of it, my computer started acting up. Uh-oh. Was, is it fixed now? You scare me. Yeah, it's okay. fixed now, but okay. man, I lost my mind for a while because I got a virus. Yikes. I got a nasty virus. Are no, they... I know what you're thinking. It's not from a, a naughty website. I don't huh. know where it came from, but um, yeah, this thing just popped up on my computer and totally seized it up. Uh, I spent an hour troubleshooting it, and then I called my father, and I had a reverse boomer moment where I told him the issue, and he said, oh, why don't you try restoring mm -hmm. your computer, where you can tell the computer to go back in time and restore the hard drive to a, to a better time. Well, wait a minute. So you had a time traveler's dilemma. I did. Oh. Interesting enough. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. Shout to your dad, though. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah, so we're up yeah. and running now, but, oh, man, I lost my mind for all of an hour and a half. I was yeah. ripping my hair out yeah. of it. Yeah, I I would have been ripping what hair I got left out, man. I'm going bald up there, but I, I would have been with you <laughs> had I known. It's scary that's, because I, you know, that's all my income yeah, is generated yeah. through my computer. Yeah, yeah, and we had a nasty little uh, shout shout to Steve Grimmett when we did that interview. We had a little technical difficulty, man. We've been a little scared of you know the whole boomer thing. Okay, boomer. I, I you know as someone who who actively seeks out uh, people of the boomer age who have contributed to the heavy metal culture. Uh, to share their story, I don't appreciate that that boomer meme. Um, as I, 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 I don't. Am I a boomer? What's the cutoff there? You're a Gen Zer. Okay. Oh, is that what? I, okay. Yeah. You're, you're technically the um, 
in terms of American generations, you yeah. are objectively the first generation to have it worse off than the previous generation when it comes to housing and economic status. Well, don't objectify me, okay? Oh, yeah. Listen, I don't know. I, my, the status of my house is pretty old. I don't know, but... um. <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want uh, to talk politics because we're already going to talk religion tonight. Yeah, let's. Um, we'll get past that. Yeah, but uh, listen. Um, before we do that, I got to tell you about my weekend. Please do. Because uh, I'm sick about hearing about your weekend. Shut up already. No, Tom, I love you. I'm just kidding. Uh, shout out to the Pyrexia boys, uh, kicking it out there, man, doing their thing, working hard. Uh, I was working at my job all weekend, man, and then um, uh, I, I had a nice little rehearsal. Drove out there at the end of a 12-hour shift, man. Uh, those guys feel me, man. We, you know, we, we all work hard, and then we do death metal. It's what we love. Uh, I just kick it at rehearsal, and I hang out, man. I fill in a little bit every once in a while here and there, so I try to stay abreast of new developments and fresh on the lyrics and vocal patterns. You know, uh, just just to keep you know keep myself in check. You know what I mean? It's a mind exercise doing all the lyrics and stuff like that. Yeah, it's kind of like um, uh, uh, what is that, Sudoku? Yeah, yeah. I do Pyrexo. You know what I mean? I I, me- <laughs> I, I, I memorize the lyrics. I, I do ser- yeah. I do sermon sermon of Macaro. Yeah, I think if you're performing death metal at any level, uh, you don't need to play Sudoku. Uh, well, I, have you heard the band Sudoku? That's a whole other podcast. I haven't. You wait a minute. All right, we'll talk. We'll talk when we take right, a break. We'll, we'll because, revisit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, no, we got to revisit if you don't. If you because you would like them. But seriously, you know, I I, I I work my job. I work with people who have developmental disabilities. Uh, and I accompanied uh, a young man out to the flea market. They have the the Sunvet Mall, uh, East East uh, Suffolk County, Long Island, off the Sunrise Highway. You familiar? Uh, no, I've never actually been. Uh, a lot of people haven't. It's actually one of those dead malls where most of the stores are closed off, and there's like a uh, there's like a Payless shoe store, a couple of liquidator style clothing stores, and there's two huge flea markets. And uh, there's one table in one of them. I think it's called the Gore Guy. I'm not sure, but the guy's got uh, quality VHS and DVD horror movie and science fiction selection. But he's also got a little table. He's got cassette tapes. Uh, He's got records, and he's got uh, CDs. He actually had viral disease zine. Really? This is crazy. This is crazy. East Suffolk, Long Island. I got the Gore Guy is most likely somebody I know. and uh, I purchased the new Blood Incantation album. From him? From him, uh, Blue Vinyl, which is like first pressing Dark Descent Records. Yeah. Nice. Uh, this is amazing how the stars are aligning again, again, how we were talking about the constellations, man, artificial brain energy. I don't know, whatever it was, but um, things worked out Sunday with that. So I was the proud owner. I am now the proud owner of that new Blood Incantation album that's... Uh, you know, number one on the charts, and I think they won a Grammy or whatever the case was for that. Uh, they they won all of our hearts. Yeah, everybody's talking about it. it's with the you know the streets. Of Funkmaster Flex dropped a couple bombs on it allegedly. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, that that happened. So that was pretty cool. That was my weekend, man. But um, listen, we got to push all that aside. Yes, uh, it's going to get deep tonight. We're talking to Dwayne Keith, who runs Vision of God Records, a Christian metal underground record label. Uh, formerly of the band Malicious Hate, classic cult grindcore band from the 90s, and he ran Grinding Peace Records uh, and was in the band Memoriam also back then, um, kind of a, a, a dark, uh, atmospheric doom metal band that he has now made a return with, uh, and they recently re- recently released a two-song single. So we're going to get him on the line in a few minutes and try to have an interesting conversation with that man. God bless. <laughs> Thank you. 
Hello. Hey, Dwayne. Yes, sir. How you doing? Uh, good. How are you? This is Will from Heavy Hole Podcast. Excellent. I'm doing good. Uh, and let me just introduce you quickly to Tom, my co-host. Hello, Dwayne. Hey, Tom. How's it going? Good. How you doing? Pretty good. And that's uh, Dwayne Keith, right? Want to get technical? It's Dwayne Keith the second. Yeah, I, I saw that. I saw. That. I didn't know uh, how you go. So Dwayne Keith the second. And if I'm not mistaken, back in the day, you went by the moniker Duke. Yeah. Um. Kind of dropped that just because it was kind of like a you know young kid kind of a nickname. So. Yeah. Um, I didn't really I had, grow out of it, I guess. Just kind of dropped it, I guess. <laughs> I had a few of those I dropped as well, man. Yeah, I said, you know, back in the day. And, um, you know, I say back in the day, uh, you were obviously the singer of Malicious Hate many years ago, right? Yes, from 1987 till uh, 1999. And then we reformed again 2005 and uh, had recorded a unreleased Crush the Week CD. Um which is still completely unfinished and unmixed and everything else and sitting in the vaults. Huh. And um, that ended about uh, 2010, 2011, and we've just been on hiatus since, actually. So. Wow. Well, I, you know, I want to ask a, um, a few preliminary questions about your background, even before Malicious Hate, but while you bring that up, uh, one, of my, one of my main questions about Malicious Hate is, uh, will fans ever see a uh, re-release, a discography, anything of that nature, or will that album that you just mentioned ever be released? Um, there has been quite a bit of interest. Uh, probably about four or five different labels have tried to get us to reissue In the Name of Hate. Um, hasn't happened because, you know, certain deals weren't right or that sort of thing. Um, that might see the light of day. In terms of Crush the Week... I'm not sure if that'll ever see the light of day because there's still some stuff to be finished. Um, unfortunately, the studio closed down, that sort of thing, and um, there's quite a bit of work to be finished on it. But there are finished songs, so it could technically probably be not a full length, but an EP still with the uh, songs that are finished, but um, still has to be mixed and everything else. So I don't know if that'll ever happen. Fair enough, and um, you know I, I know your band. Uh, ha, well, your your old band, Malicious Hate, has kind of uh, achieved this kind of cult status uh, amongst grindcore heads and brutal death metal heads from the '90s. So I'm sure you have been contacted by a few labels. Um, hopefully, uh, you know that that can uh, be worked out to uh, to your liking. But um, going back before that, uh, you're originally from uh, Michigan. Yes, Muskegon, Michigan. Yes. Okay, and. Uh, um, are you from a, a, a particularly musical family, or uh, is rock and roll somewhere in your upbringing or anything like that? Um, no, not really. My uh, grandfather, he was in a band called Freeman Keith and the Ramrods, which is a funny name because they were a country band in like the late 60s. But um, besides that, there's no other musicians in my family, so um, it was just kind of something when I was 13 and... We were sitting in a garage, and like we all just started messing around together, and then Most Safe was pretty much formed from that day. So, when you guys um, were teenagers, all, about how old are we talking? Um, actually, I joined Melissa Safe when I was thirteen. Wow, really? okay. Because hmm. I, I, there's a note I think on on maybe Metallum or, or or somewhere online that your first demo was as early as '89. Yes, actually, it was '89. Um, it was more in the vein of like Slayer-ish kind of like death thrash kind of stuff only because we couldn't play any faster at that time. Um, 
and then as we evolved, everything got faster and more brutal, of course. Is it is it uh, safe to say, I guess, then, that you kind of, like, grew up with the members of Malicious Hate? Uh, I mean, if you guys were that young in a band together? Oh, yeah. Um, not necessarily the drummer. The drummer was a little bit older, so he was kind of, like, in high school when we were in middle school sort of thing. Um, but the guitar player, the original guitar player, I went to, was in the same grade with at school. And um, the guy that took over for him on guitar was, you know, still in high school when I was in high school. Um yeah, we all just kind of were all in the same grade, but in different schools and things like that. And we all hooked up at, you know, local shows. And um, some of the people joined later on as Malicious State members dropped off or decided to do something else. Um, they were just ready to jump in the slot. So we really didn't have too hard of a issue finding any members at the time. So um, between the two demos and then to the seven inch, we ended up switching quite a bit of members and then to in the name of hate the final lineup pretty much <laughs> okay and um so i i guess uh you had a, a fairly big uh scene, local scene for grindcore and death metal then huh um yeah we had the ice pick down here um pretty big hardcore punk scene around here uh, we were the first grind and like death band to to be around um it was always mixed bills. We would play with bands like the Premature Babies and things like that. And um, you know, there were definitely mixed bills. We were the only grind or band with any type of growling or anything like that. Everybody else was pretty much hardcore or punk. But there was uh, definitely a, a very big scene here. Um, definitely big enough for Gigi Allen to come move down here. And then the Disappointments were here. And um, that's Mark Spaniola, the Disappointments drummer. He ran the ice pit, so um, they eventually went on tour with Gigi. So yeah, there was quite a quite a scene going on for Gigi to want to come down and live down here for six months. Wow. So um, where and I understand Gigi Allen lived in fairly cr- close proximity to your neighborhood. Yeah, um, I lived like uh, I don't know. I'd say a half a mile from the ice pit, and it was in it was in walking distance. Okay, so so, so the yeah. ice pick is like the local venue for this type of music. Yes, it, it was. It was pretty popular because if you look online and stuff and type in Ice Pick, um, you know, Agnostic Front, when they came this way, they would want to play here. Um, you know, all, all the FOD and uh, the big Pennsylvania hardcore bands and New York hardcore bands, when they would come out this way, they, they had to hit the Ice Pick because it was the place to, to play in, in Michigan, pretty much. So, Okay, so, so Gigi Allen comes to town. I mean... Uh, can can you tell us some some story? I, I imagine it, it wasn't low key. <laughs> Definitely wasn't low key. The funny thing was is he was at some malicious hate shows, you know, talking to me and stuff after the show and things like that. I didn't know who Gigi was at the time, and Mark Spaniola was standing there like behind him, like dancing around, going, "Do you know who he is? This is Gigi Allen. This is Gigi Allen." I didn't know who he was when they eventually took off and went on tour probably about two weeks after that we went into a place called Wildside music and um they had all of his records because he was in town you know and people were talking about him so of course they were going to cash in on him being around of course so um there we go there's two weeks later there's Gigi allen records and we're picking them up taking them home and listening to the emf and going oh that's who Gigi allen is so it would have been nice to know who he was when he was here <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Did, did uh, I mean, did you ever witness uh, anything kind of crazy uh, go on? There was some definite crazy stuff that wouldn't be radio friendly. 
<laughs> All right. Well, we're not on the radio, man. But whatever you're comfortable with uh, talking about. I mean, you know, we. There, there, I, I can't imagine that there's anything uh, that went on that that you can't find on YouTube or wherever else, man. And, and other GG Allen. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Debauchery. Gigi was. Gigi was a very nice, normal, great person until he he did a little bit of heroin and some Jim Beam, and he was a whole different person. Yeah. It was like night and day and you know there was Kevin and there was Gigi just like everybody says and that's like, as soon as he got loaded he was Gigi and yeah definitely lots of lots of funny stories because <laughs> <laughs> you know at, at the time when he was around I was I think I was 15 years old Jeez. so you know like when we're upstairs at our own bands after parties and things and he's pulling his pants down and playing with himself and stuff they were like uh, you, you can't be up here because you know I was so minor and stuff. They were all worried about getting in trouble, but wow, you know, allegedly, as we say on the podcast, wow, super yeah. allegedly, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I guess it doesn't matter because because he's dead and it, and it wasn't on your end, so it, allegedly or yeah. not, that's oh, oh man, all, all grounds are covered. Yeah, jeez, yeah, exactly, jeez, all right, yeah. gross. Um, so aside from creepy Gigi Allen hanging out, what was the malicious hate, uh, like kind of scene like, like, uh, were you guys tape trading and, um, like full on and with the underground stuff? I imagine you guys might've been ahead of the curve being into grindcore with, in terms of, uh, like underground exposure, right? What was weird is a lot of our bands, we were always ahead of our time, but with malicious hate, we were right on time and it was right when you know, Incantation was hitting and, you know, Profanatica was hitting, but everybody from the underground scene was starting to get noticed and it was like starting to become like a thing where, you know, it just wasn't going to stay underground. You could feel it rising up and we were doing all the tape trading and stuff like that with our demos and things like that. And then after we put out the seven inch and everything else, we just started playing mega, mega amounts of shows all over the place. And, um, yeah, it was definitely a great time to, to be in the scene because everything was up and coming and you could play one show and there'd be hundreds of people and you could play another show and there'd be like 20. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really matter though because those 20 people were always really into it. <laughs> yeah, and as long as they're into it, right? Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, so with Malicious Hate, you mentioned before that your drummer was a little bit older. Are you talking about Chuck Updike? Yes, uh, yes yeah. Chuck. Uh, Chuck, um, aside from a stint in your other band, Mem- uh, Memoriam, which I do want to talk about, uh, Chuck is, is not known for being in any other bands, right? Um, he is actually just in a bar band um, playing cover songs is all he's doing right now. Wow. That's crazy to hear because what I'm getting at is he, uh, for the time, uh, and even for today, but for the time especially, was a phenomenal talent in extreme music. He was a, definitely a very, very awesome drummer. Um, when like Cryptopsy came around and they were going to mm-hmm. sign with my old label that I had done, and we booked him their first U.S. tour and stuff. Um, when like their drummer is looking at our drummer and our drummer is looking at their drummer and they're both exchanging drum secrets and stuff, then that's when you realize like, oh, my drummer is actually really good. <laughs> yeah, so, man. Yeah. I- I mean, back back in the day when None So Vile was kind of like brand new and everyone was looking at drums like in a, in a new uh, way, new with new eyes, so to speak, in death metal, um, uh, when, when Cryptopsy was really taken over, I mean, you, you had, you know, you had maybe like Brutal Truth, 
uh, and and you had malicious hate uh, if you were you know if you were underground enough to know malicious hate, man. But I mean, there was there was not a lot of bands with a drummer playing blast beats and grindcore the way uh, your drummer did. Ab- absolutely, man. Um, and I also remember an old interview I read uh, w- with you. Back. It was actually an interview from Grimoire of Exalted Deeds zine um, from New Jersey back in the day. Uh, I remember that, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Um, you had, you had a funny, funny uh, magazine, man. Uh, there was an interview where you said that the drummer actually, something like he burned his head with an iron because he made a mistake on the drums. Oh, wow. So, okay, yeah. Um, see, I don't remember the interview. It's funny you're bringing that up. Huh. Um, we played on a public access TV show. Okay. You know, and it's just like, it's just public access. It's Muskegon, you know. It was like, it might have made it out a little bit outside Muskegon. Um, we were doing a song. Um, I think we were doing Killed by Obsession off the 7-inch. And it goes into this part. And he does the this little Tom part. And he messed up and went into a whole different song. And when we got done and went home, he literally, we were like, what is he doing? We're like bringing in equipment and stuff and we, we were like walking in and he's got this chisel sitting on the stove with the with the fire on and it's like sitting in in the fire and I'm like, huh. what is it? He's either going to knife one of us, you know, something, something's going to happen. You know, I knew something was going to happen. We brought in all the equipment and he stuck it on his forehead in front of all of us and sizzled his forehead for making that mistake on TV. Jesus. So Yes, that's completely legit. Yes. Oh wow! Not a gut reaction there. That's... Not recommended. But the, 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 the <laughs> discipline. Jesus Christ! Oh my God! That 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 guy, man. Um, uh, nonetheless, amazing drummer. When you li- go back and listen to that, but wow. Uh, well, I'm I'm glad to hear he's still playing music, uh, and he still you know at least has that has that passion in his life. Although we in the grindcore and death metal community would always welcome him back if he wanted to drop some blast beats somewhere. Yeah, the definite um, last crush of the week stuff was it was really really tight, really really fast, hmm. um, genre breaking even because just things would just go insane and he would just come into the studio and go. I heard a sax on this part, and then there's like a sax solo going on with this. And yeah, there were some really, really crazy parts and genre-breaking things that were going to be on that album that uh, just didn't, didn't get finished. You're killing me, Dwayne. <laughs> you're killing <laughs> yes. me. You got to either put it out or stop talking about it, man. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe uh, maybe what'll have to happen is I'll have to send you a uh, a song for the show, and then. You have something that's unreleased to play for it, so that that would be uh, much appreciated and amazing. I would love that. Yeah, we, I don't think we've ever done that on the show before. Had no. a had an exclusive. No, no, yeah, that would be pretty amazing, man. Thank you, man. Yeah, really definitely, definitely that. remind me, and I'll I'll get that to you. A- absolutely, my mind. Remind me. That would be an exclusive. That would be a flex on uh, any any '90s death metal podcast. Uh, not that there's a lot of them, um, but okay. So uh, getting back before we get too wrapped up. So, um, at the same time with Malicious Hate, uh, you release all of the Malicious Hate releases through Grinding Peace Records. That's your label, right? Yes, that was my own label. Um, I'm not really exactly sure why I decided to do a label. Um, it probably was more or less at the time we were going to do a CD and like we didn't have a bunch of stuff to shop to labels sort of thing. And yeah we just ended up doing the CD ourselves, and we pressed a thousand copies of it and they were gone in a month. 
Yeah, yeah, DIY, right? You know. And um, yeah, never gone in a month. Never repressed. Jeez, never. Wow, man. There, oh, that, that <laughs> you're killing me, man. Um, when when I logged into Discogs and I'm seeing them sell for like sixty seven dollars and things yeah. like that, I'm like, oh, I think it's time for a re-release because nobody needs to pay that to have some grindcore they want to hear. <laughs> uh, yeah, a vinyl, right? I mean, geez, the uh, the demo you could probably fit on like one side of a seven inch <laughs> and still have room. <laughs> probably. The, yeah. I, I I remember there was the old Michigan Death Fest Death Fest uh, CD compilation with like a song by all these bands, and I I think it was Michigan Death Fest, and um. Uh, the malicious hate track was just like the entire demo because it was five minutes long. Oh, that would have been the uh, Milwaukee sampler. Okay, Milwaukee sampler. I'm, I'm oh, yeah, I'm, I'm mistaken. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, we recorded um, the Bring Forth Hate little mini cassette was actually recorded for that Milwaukee thing. Wow. Because they were like, you've got five minutes, so we just listed it as in the name of hate and put the whole Bring Forth Hate stuff on there, and. Um, Ended up having the, the full three songs on there for the five minutes. It's, it's and, um, awesome because I uh, a friend actually passed that along to me that CD uh, that he got from somewhere, and so I, I kind of like I, I I dubbed down that one track on on a mixtape, and it's like I have the entire Malicious Hate demo. You know, it's cool. Yeah, that was some um, basically what we were doing as a promo because the seven inch. I mean, it sold. We sold a thousand copies of the seven inches. But I'd say it was really with no promotion. It was just like flyers, you know, mm-hmm. where you trade stuff and send people flyers, that sort of thing. And uh, it was all sales from that, you know, mail order and stuff. I don't, I wouldn't really call it a bunch of promotion. It just, I don't know, I would say luck of the draw, I guess. Um, <laughs> we ended up selling out of those, so we decided to do the the recording for that Milwaukee CD. And then we turned around and released that as the Bring Forth Hate EP to do some promos. And um, there was five hundred tapes printed, and I got them in. They were they were gone in like two weeks. So again, they didn't really they didn't go to labels or didn't. You know, we were always trying to promote ourselves to labels, and every time we pressed something, it all just sold out, and we never repressed it. Uh, it went right out to the to the scene, man. You know, but uh, I mean, just from my perspective out here, you know, objectively, man, you guys always seemed like this super underground, uh, just for the scene and the tape traders kind of band. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I got that impression. You know, also with you uh, releasing everything yourself on your own imprint. You know. Yeah, I was always into you know trying to help all the underdogs as well. I mean, that's another reason that when I started putting stuff out for myself, it you know it went on to Summon and you know then Hava Hedge and you know went on to all these other bands. Um, with no intention of doing yeah. a label, it just ended up happening. So yeah, you put out um, some classics: the uh, Havahez, uh "Unholy Darkness" and "Impurity" EP in '96, and "Summon uh, Dark Descent of Fallen Souls" '97, uh, and the two demos. I mean, we actually we just did an episode a few weeks ago about um, lost labels. You know, uh, some classic labels from the '90s. And uh, I'm glad we can talk about it here, at least, because Grinding Peace is another one of those lost labels that has a few cult releases that some people still celebrate in the metal scene. Um, and speaking of that, you also put out the Memoriam uh, split with Symphony of Grief back in the day. Uh, I wanted yes. to talk uh, a little bit about Memoriam, um, that band. That's always been a, a two-person band, right? Um, it was three. It did have Chuck on drums on the 7-inch. Oh, okay, okay. I'm mistaken. All right. He was the original drummer, and then we reformed about a year ago, and he's snobs 
um, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how to say it right, so don't get mad at me if you heard it. Um, He's not in the state of being able to play drums, right? Um, He's got some really bad diabetes going on and some issues going on with his feet. Okay. So, yeah, he doesn't play drums anymore from what I understand, so... All right. Well, we wish him the best. Absolutely, man. Um, that's, you know, a, a situation with a lot of people. Uh, but Memoriam, you guys actually just recently uh, in January or just uh, late last year released a single, uh, a New Dawn uh, single with two songs, right? Yeah, that was um, one single, New Dawn, was um, literally put out Christmas Eve. And then the second single we put out in mid- mid-January, um working on the third track trying to get everything all finished up and then some studio issues and stuff and he had to close the studio down so um that's on hey just just for a second but um as soon as we can get everything over to another area we will get all that finished up so okay and now you've never uh or i should say have you ever been in a band besides malicious hate or memoriam um in terms of being actually in a long-term band, no. Um, I've done some guest vocal things, like in a, another older band called Doom Formation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of them. Really brutal Ohio death metal. Um, not, not they ended up kicking out their vocalist, and I subbed for a while, but we didn't do a recording. Okay, not, um, not familiar, but maybe that's something uh, the listeners and I should look up. Oh, it's really good stuff. Doom really, really good stuff. Okay. Yeah, they actually came down here all the way from Ohio and recorded where we recorded the Bring Far Paid demo um, at uh, Dragon Studio. And then I did guest vocals on the album and stuff. And then um, they broke up and I had all the masters to release the stuff and it never got released. In fact, I sent the masters back to the band probably like five years ago. Wow. Wow, man. So much. That's, you know, that's something to talk about is how much music in the underground scene just gets lost. How many bands record an album or an EP and um, they break up or what, you know, whatever, how they change the direction of the band or something. And um, there's so many, so much music that just gets lost and maybe only a few people even have access to it. Yeah, that's one of those bands that would have went somewhere as well if they would have stayed together. But, you know, that's kind of unfortunate you know with a lot of bands like malicious hate would have went a, a million times further if we would have did more releases but it just it just never happened for some reason um it's so much easier today with like home recording and you know all this awesome ways to record at home and make a couple thousand dollar recording at your home and it sounds good and everything but you know previously you'd pay two three four five five thousand dollars and you know you get a decent recording but again you know it's a couple thousand dollars yeah yeah and that in the name of hate uh sounded really good man i mean your demos actually you know you guys always had a tight production um and you know a tight performance uh will, will always go a long way towards a tight production but uh in the name of hate um was the was the studio you recorded at used to recording extreme music yeah that was rt um rt audio his um his big claim to fame was that he recorded um, Gutted, one of the, actually two, the two Gutted LPs. I think they were on the Grindcore records, I think. Yes, yes, that's, that's, and uh, was it, was, am I mistaken that Gutted was members of Summon? Oh, no, no, um, Gutted was 
I think from Chicago or something. Yeah, okay. someone was always always black metal. Never played in the death metal bands. Off base completely then, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, sorry. Uh, we'll edit that out. Nice but, try, Will. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I every once in a while, I I um I, I miss one, but um no gutted classic death metal band. I I always love uh, uh, talking about that band. It comes up in conversation every once in a while. Um, now, well, what was funny since you're bringing that up, you know, because gutted was more, you know, chugging death metal stuff, and let's just say it was more grinding and going for the spastic, but yet still heavy. Um, the when we were in the studio that whole day, uh, that's all we heard. Well, well, gutted, what gutted did, and gutted did, and gutted did. And we're like, <laughs> okay, well, we're looking for this sound, and then Chuck pulled out Terrorizer, World Downfall, and says we're looking for this sound. Uh-huh. And then, then he got gutted straight out of his head, and then we kind of got the sound we wanted that day. <laughs> Wait a minute, this isn't gutted? Yeah, this that that, that makes <laughs> exactly. a lot of sense. The terrorizer. I, now speaking of terrorizer, though, um, something I want to talk about is, you know, you guys are really quick. Uh, you know, early on the scene, I should say, with grindcore, um, with malicious hate. When do you first become aware of extreme music um, that's not necessarily like that's beyond your, your average metal that you could find, uh, you know, on, on the radio or TV? Oh, um, tape trading days, second demo, even. Um, the first demo really didn't get traded around much, but you know, when it was the second demo, it got traded around, and that's when I was exposed to literally the worldwide scene, you know, from. Agapocles in Belgium to, um, you know, bands in France, uh, trying to think of a, a, a band name. So and asked this come into my head, like supplication or something like that, but I, huh. I can't think of the name exactly. But yeah, like when I started trading tapes and stuff, that's when I'd get cassettes in from everywhere, just all over the world, everywhere, Germany, France, Russia, yeah, you know, everywhere there was, there was Russian death metal bands back in the day. I mean, wow. there is now, wow. but I mean, wow. they, there was when you didn't know there was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. allegedly. <laughs> wow, that's tough. Um, and yeah, and we've talked before, too, about how, uh, like, some of the first death metal coming out of Poland was, like, Dead Infection and um, uh, Vader, you know, things like that. I remember when I first heard Dead Infection, too, because people were like, oh, it's kind of like Carcass Cones, but more brutal, and mm -hmm. they were, I always loved them. They were, they were always brutal. Yeah, uh, they're making the rounds again now. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are, and um, there's there's actually uh, a band. I think it's uh, Meat Spreader that has like some of the uh, original members of Dead Infection and Squash Bowels and things like that. Um, but oh, I mean, yeah. gore, gore Grind is just its own thing now, man. We actually did an episode uh, very recently where we talked a lot about Agathocles and Dead Infection and how Gore Grind became its own thing with a million subgenres and stuff like that. Um, you know, since 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 back in the '90s. So. Um, so now we're talking about the 90s and we're talking about grinding piece records. I do want to get to Vision of God records and get to uh, like your more modern um, work in the scene and everything like that. But I have a few questions that kind of relate to uh, what like what's the difference between running an underground metal label in the 90s back when you did grinding piece and now when you do Vision of God records. Obviously, there's um, some different philosophy, which we are going to get to going on. But in, in a business sense, in a sense of running a label, there's got to be a lot of huge differences nowadays, right? Yeah, there's quite a big difference. Um, for one thing, like, if I was to do Grinding Peace the way that I do Vision of God and look at, like, the books 
you know, of how the books look, I, I, it would be like not good for grinding peace. It'd be like, well, we're failing. Now, when it comes to the vision of God, it's a whole different story because we're looking just to make it to the next release, make it to the next thing, get more stuff out, you know, become the entity that we need to become and spread what we're spreading. So, um, it's just a whole, whole different outlook in terms of it being a music ministry compared to a normal record label, I guess. Okay, yeah, and and um, also I, I noticed you have an extensive band camp uh, for your label um, for for a lot of different releases nowadays. I mean, it's fair to say that you know obviously there was nothing like that back in the day. So having everything available online for people to hear and sample and even purchase digitally that that plays a huge factor, right? right too. Yeah, there's there's not there wasn't a whole lot when I was trying to get into that in the first place, and that's what I was trying to look for. And, you know, just because you end up believing in God doesn't mean you, your personality entirely changes and you no longer like brutal music. <laughs> so, you know, like, I sought it out, I sought it out, and, you know, we put some things together with people and things and got some releases going, and, you know, eight years later, there just seems to be, like, a pretty big growing scene of it now. Yeah, and I noticed in going through some of the bands on your label, you seem to specialize in kind of like the nitty-gritty of uh, obscure, imported uh, Christian metal bands. Um, not necessarily, like, you know, when, like a lot of people, when you talk about Christian metal um, in terms of the modern scene, a lot of people think of like very polished deathcore American bands from the Midwest. Uh, but you you seem to find, like, like I said, the nitty-gritty of imported bands um, that are really doing their own thing in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and I guess that speaks to how you, you still, your taste in metal haven't exactly changed, even though your your beliefs have. Right. Generally, a lot of times people will hear our stuff still and go, wow, I didn't even know that was Christian. <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll, this is because it's brutal and, you know, things and the stuff that's black metal. You know, we've had black metal people come and say, wow, man, like, that was a whole different thing I didn't I completely didn't expect that you know and I looked at it with bad vision because it said Christian this or whatever but man that city was really good you know you hear you hear that quite a bit um it's, it's coming to a thing now where you know not everybody's a Satanist and not everybody wants to sit there and hear you know open over again <laughs> and we've we've made an alternative to that yeah, um, yeah, and you know, for the listeners too, and I'm not sure if I sent you the link, but we did a whole episode um, on Christian extreme music with uh, Long Island's resident um, Christian metal veteran John Osgood. Uh, and um, yes, I did and, listen to that. Yeah. Oh, okay, awesome. You know, so and uh, you know, sh- you know, shout to John. Uh, I, I would I would be surprised if he hadn't heard of some of the bands on your are you label because he's like a walking encyclopedia himself to the Christian metal scene. Um, and it's like you said, not everyone's a Satanist. Not a, you know, I, I I might not be a pagan. I can listen to Amon and Marth. I'm not a Viking. Uh, you know, I'm not a Satanist. I can listen to Deicide. And um, you know, I, I'm not a, an evangelical Christian. I can go uh, you know listen to Mortification. Um, there's there's lots of great metal music. And I kind of look at Christian metal uh, sometimes, the Christian extreme music scene, as like an untapped. Uh, a field for me of, of like you know a good good underground obscure bands that I haven't heard yet yeah there's actually quite a quite a few and then after I started really like digging deeper I had to dig deep and stuff <laughs> and it was almost like 
it was kind of like they were all like hidden under a rock for a minute. And then we put some things together. We were doing a bunch of promotion, trying to get a bunch of things going, you know, and then a couple other labels popped up. And you know, the scene's definitely going pretty well for that. Um, you know, again, sometimes people just get sick of hearing Satan, 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 and even if they're not Christian, they're still enjoying it because it's real music. So, yeah, it seems like a lot of Brazilian bands uh, you work with in particular. <laughs> yeah, that just kind of happened. That wasn't even on purpose or nothing like that. Um, we ended up working with uh, Hazaroth was one of the first bands. Really good black metal band. I mean, they're they're really good. Um, people compare them more in the Mayhem Immortal vein. Um, then it just literally went on from there. You know, people were asking the dude from Hazaroth, hey, I just, how was your deal? How was everything working? Go, oh, yeah, everything's cool. And then another band, another band, another band. And then eventually we got Anti-Demon, which is actually one of the biggest in the scene. Um, I'd say right up there was Mortification. And in fact, they were on Mortification's label. So Yes, Rogue Productions. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask you about that. Um... That was uh, Anti Demons Apocalypse Now uh, reissue. You reissued it. It was originally on Row Productions, right? Yes. And yep. that, that's like um, really. Uh, go ahead. Um, actually, unfortunately, Steve's not doing very well. Mm -hmm. um, he had a, he had a stroke and um, just decided that it was probably best to give up the label and was very kind and like wanted us to take over the release for the next generation. So. Wow. Yeah, I I was that was going to be my next question leading up was um have you been in contact with Steve Rowe and is there anything you can divulge about um you know how he's doing because we you know we have reached out to him for an interview and didn't hear back but you know he's he's got very publicly documented uh struggles with his health and things like that. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um most of my contact has been through Anti-Demon actually. I don't personally even know him or have we've exchanged one email. Yeah, so yeah. pretty much everything has gone through Anti-Demon and you know it's very kind of somebody to fork over $2,500 for the studio and I think he pressed a thousand CDs they did sell out there there's like 16 copies left you know but between that you know he might have made his money back he might not have made his money back and just to kindly hand it over and say here you go you can have the rights for it make sure the next generation has this you know that's very kind yeah it's dedication to Cause. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I um yeah, I, I really uh you know, still still holding out hopefully um you know, we wish Steve the best and we hope maybe uh you know, one day he fills up to uh uh doing press again and and we could speak to him because what a story he has to tell. Um he does have a uh um I I guess you would refer to it as a testimony uh called Imagine on YouTube. Are you familiar with that? Uh yeah, yep. And he's got a new book out called Metal Missionary. I'm not sure if it's a DVD or not, but it might be a DVD, not a book. Okay, I, I have I, I got to look that up because I'm very fascinated with his story, uh, going back so far um, in metal and in such a um, kind of like outsider version of extreme metal, the way uh, he did it. You know, I've I've always been fascinated with Scrolls of the Megaloth and the climate it came out in the early '90s with all the other death metal uh, classics. You know. Yeah, them and um, Living Sacrifice also did a bunch of touring and stuff. And it's weird because like Mortification was around during the Malicious Hate time. They never, we never played with them, but Malicious Hate played with um, Living Sacrifice before Happy Ice Pick when they were touring. 
Oh, okay. yeah, we talked a lot about Living Sacrifice, too, on that podcast. Another great band. I'm a bigger fan, maybe more when they were more of a thrash death metal type of band. Yeah, I haven't really heard much of them, honestly. Yeah, yeah, their, their older stuff's a little more death metal before they went towards the hardcore route. But um, spe- speaking of that, though, um, you know, I have a lot of notes here on some of your bands that you've put out on Vision of God Records. But before we get into that... Uh, so malicious hate. Uh, the the chapter kind of closes on that in 2005, right? The this, the the final album is um, un- uncompleted and the band disbands. Well, that would be uh, 2010, 2011 is when it was okay. finally the studio ended up folding up. There was no studio to finish stuff up. Um, to my knowledge, he never moved into a place to where he could reset the studio up, and. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I, it, I'm, I'm, I'm pawning around and saying it, but I guess I'll just have to say it because times are unfortunate these days. Um, it was our ex-bass player. You know, he was the bass player on the first demo, the second demo, and the bass player on Consumed by Hate 7-inch. And um, about a week ago, he overdosed on heroin. Oh, I'm very sorry to hear that. So, um yeah, Some of them issues were going on, and the studio folded up. And then, you know, unfortunately, six, seven years later, he overdoses. So, yeah, um, yeah, he's probably. actually recovering now. Okay, wow, yeah, that's you know the uh, that's the epidemic that we're dealing with here out on Long Island too, as as in so many other places, man. That's uh, sorry to hear that, man. But I guess you know, uh, glad, glad that uh, glad that you didn't have to go to a funeral this time. Yeah, he's um he's recovering. They're not sure if he's going to be okay or if he's going to be a vegetable for the rest of his life or if he's even going to make it. So, um, wow. well, I guess yeah. we'll find out more in, in the future. Well, so. if uh, if there's any good that can come with that, at least let 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 it be a cautionary tale to anybody listening. Um, yes, you know, uh, you know it's, it's this this underground grindcore and black metal and death metal scene and everything. You know, um. Uh, it's a lot of fun, man. But you know, just like anything else in life, there's some people that are that you know could. You could end up around the wrong people through it, just as uh, any other um, subculture or any other lifestyle or any other party you go to, you know? So you got to watch out. Right. Um, well, exactly. Well, plus what the stuff they're putting in it these days, it's not even really heroin. It's more oh, the fentanyl. fentanyl with a little bit of heroin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, man. Jeez. Just uh, go, get, get it legalized and go to the dispensary, allegedly. Um, but we're, we're, we're going on a tangent um, um, here, but, you know, I'm sorry, sorry to hear that about your friend, uh, but... What, what I'm getting at with the malicious hate uh, disbanding is um, maybe you could explain the circumstances uh, as much as you'd like to tell us and share around you uh, finding Christ. Um, I don't know if you describe yourself as a born-again Christian, um, but, but what exactly uh, happened, what point you were at in your life, and what happened for you to take on that faith? Uh, well, uh, to answer the first question, yes, I would say I'm considered a born-again Christian. Um, if you're not, then you're not a Christian. So, okay. um, how it kind of, the thing was, is even during the malicious hate times, I always believed in God, but I didn't live that way. I mean, obviously, I was doing idiot stuff on stage. <laughs> so, you know, um, how, how it pretty much came about, I guess I would say, is um, was sitting there with my wife and some things happened and um, was trying to turn the channel and, you know, I obviously wasn't ever trying to watch church things and that sort of thing and 
they kind of stopped on a on a church service and some things were said and I was like oh no I, I gotta I have to go to church I just felt it and it was literally just I would say God calling me um, I do believe that God reveals himself to everybody at some points um, some people don't see it some people do see it um, I'm just glad that he did so um, it's really hard to explain I guess uh, fair, fair enough. And, um, you know, I respect everybody, uh, everybody's spiritual journey. Um, and, uh, that's, uh, that's pretty amazing to hear. Um, now I, I imagine, um, you don't just like, or, may, or maybe you do, do you just overnight, um, stop listening to a lot of the music? Is there a conflict with the extreme music you love? Uh, what's the transition like to getting into Christian extreme music? It was beginning to get hard to listen to the overtly blasphemous stuff, I guess. But it's more my issue was what, what, what I was having was that, um, you know, it's kind of hard to have a strong faith in God and hear, F you God, screw you Christ, I piss on you, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you, don't, you know, it's hard to listen to that. You can't. You can't yeah. listen to that and feel spiritually moved. You know, you feel yeah. like you're degrading God. So I just kind of, I just avoid blasphemous stuff. Yeah, and I mean, you had actually, we spoke before, you had released Have a Hedge and um, Summon. Um, <laughs> exactly. Fairly blasphemous yep. bands, yeah. Um, Have a Hedge is probably the most blasphemous in Profanatica and things like that. In fact, we used to watch all the videos of them doing what they did on the Bible and stuff like that and mm-hmm. we thought it was the greatest thing ever because it was just so black metal and yeah that sort of thing but you know it's not something I enjoy now <laughs> yeah well obviously everyone has different seasons and chapters to their life um, <laughs> uh, you know and, and we appreciate how willing you've been to speak about malicious hate in that in that chapter also um, so you know going forward uh, malicious hate breaks up I assume uh, you know you said you don't really have any other bands that you're you're really um, part of how soon after um, becoming a born again Christian do you? Well, actually, I should say, how soon after this experience you have with your wife do you become a born again Christian? Uh, a couple of a couple of good services at church, and then I know that I became born again. You get a whole it's a whole experience that. Um, I'm sure it's different for every person. Mm-hmm. Um, it could mean this for one person and this for another person. So it's hard for me to say this or that way, you know, because if somebody decides to go that way and they go, wait, I didn't feel that way. Did I really experience God? You know, because God is very personal, has a relationship with each and every person. And each person is different. So every relationship is different. And yeah. that's why God is so cool like that, because he's, it really isn't like a lot of the stuff you hear in the blasphemous stuff. You know, he actually is there for you. There is a relationship. Um, you know, once you feel him with you, you know your life has changed. Mm-hmm. That's just the best way I can explain it. Okay. Um, uh, and uh, that, that's that's deep, man. I respect that. And um, uh, I guess with that, with that in mind, are, are you from uh, a particularly religious or spiritual family growing up? Um, I mean, there was some people. I think everybody has a couple people that are religious in their family, and 
you know, that sort of thing. I, nothing was, you know, overtly, you know, I wasn't forced to do this or that or, you know, nothing like that. Um, no, it was just, it was just God reaching out to me, I'm sure. Okay. So. Okay. So how, um, so how soon after this experience and this change in your life, uh, do you decide to uh, begin releasing records, uh, or I should say CDs, and releasing music by um, bands uh, that share your um, faith? We do have some vinyl too, though. By the way, um, okay, vi- yeah, vinyl. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm. Yeah, we do I'm, have some vinyl. Yeah. Okay, so um, just releasing music in general. It was probably. Oh, let me see here. It was. It was about two years. Yeah, between a year and a half and two years. Because I'm going from the militia state time frame of being done. And that's when I had the whole vision to do what I'm doing. And um, at the time that I even had this vision, I was very sick. I became very, very ill and was like throwing up all the time. And um, you lost a whole bunch of weight. And, you know, the doctor said they couldn't help me. I was, I was actually going to die. So, um, it was more like, how am I supposed to do this? You know, that sort of thing. Um, my faith is extra strong because the doctors were telling me, you're going to die, this is it. We can't help you. And obviously you're talking to me on the phone today. Wow. Um, do you mind at, uh, me asking what kind of illness you had? They, now they've put a label on it. They call it. It's called gastroparesis. It's where, like, you'll eat, your stomach doesn't empty, and the food rots in your gut, and then you vomit. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've never heard of that. And it, oh. Yeah, it's, it's, it hurts. Like, you'll go to eat, and it hurts, and then you're just like, uh, you know, so my weight is up and down, you know, that sort of thing. Um, all that was going on when I'm having these dreams and visions to do There's No God Records. <laughs> and, you know, I wasn't working, and, you know, things, I, I had no income coming in, and literally... The vision that I had, everything just got put together. It like my whole dreams that I had, everything got put together, and the label got started. Wow, man, it's a lot to take in. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's definitely it's definitely different, and you know, some people look at me and go, "Wow, what a freak!" Like, you know, even some Christians have. Trust me, they're just like, "You were gonna die, and then like you didn't die, and the doctors didn't do anything, and they're just like, okay." It is a lot to take in. It really is. Um, I'm very grateful, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be here if God didn't hear me. Um, and literally, I, I know that's that would be the case. I, I, I wouldn't even be here. I mean, I'm just glad that He listened and was here. So, if anybody listening thinks God isn't there, people told me God isn't there. The Bible actually says if you reach out, He will be there and show you that He's there. So try it once. <laughs> do do you attribute would you say you attribute your healing to prayer uh in the name of Jesus Christ? Yes. Okay. Guaranteed, uh, guaranteed for sure. For sure. Okay. No doubt in my mind whatsoever. Okay. All right. Uh you said it. Um uh well it's it's like Tom said that's a lot to take in. Um uh, now going forward um uh, you've been doing Vision of God Records for how many years? Uh, let's see. It's been it's been eight now. 
Okay, and you've released now. Well, here's another question because I'm a little confused. What is what is the difference between Vision of God Records and Christian Metal Underground Records? Uh, Vision of God has more of the larger bands that you know we know they're on tour, they're doing stuff, you know that sort of thing, kind of like we would have done with Grinding Peace. Um, Christian Metal Underground's more like you got that really rare lo-fi band that you might you might sell 25 copies of a CD or a tape if you're lucky because they're so lo-fi and so underground that's that label okay all right so but you you <laughs> operate both of these um, imprints yes yep okay um well I have I kind of looked up some of your more recent releases and I want to talk a little bit about that um I don't know if there's any any, any bands in particular uh, you know, was there anything that you put out um, when you were first starting this? Because you have a lot of releases under your belt now. Uh, was there anything that sticks out that was particularly important to you when you were first beginning this uh, venture? Pretty much almost every release I'm into or I wouldn't have done it. Um, there is one band that was on our label and it was kind of more a friendship thing. So they were on our label called Final Vortex. That was more like an industrial kind of a thing you know not my not my cup of cup of toast you know but you know um still their cd ended up getting out with through us that sort of thing but um i would say like stuff like hazard off and they wither um that they wither is, is very odd because at the time that i was in that gastroparesis bout and over here withering and throwing up and dying is when i put that they wither cd out <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> so when I talk about some weirdo stuff, there you go. There's some weirdo stuff. <laughs> wow. Um, H- have you? <laughs> uh, let, let me ask you this, and maybe this is, seems like a far out question, um, but this is what you're you're kind of making me think about: is have you noticed anything else with the type of bands, and maybe I, I should say a synchronicity um, with the bands and the people that you come into contact with with the label? Um, at times, yes. Um, it's like you're talking about seasons and like the season from the first year to the season now everything's entirely different so I I, I, I would say yes there is for sure um, there just happens to be some sort of lineup things you know God goes ahead of us is what the word says so um, I can't say some sort of it's you know, God goes ahead and paves the way for us, and that's exactly just what's happened for us. You know. Okay. Um, All right. Been a, been a great thing. All right. Um. So, uh, you know, I just want to get into, uh, you know, quickly. Um. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I'm actually looking at the clock now. Um. Dwayne, time flies, and as we always say on the podcast, we want to be respectful of your time and of our format. Uh, but before we wrap up, I do want to talk about a few of the bands you've put out recently, uh, specifically. Um, and one that I want to make sure that we get to is, uh, I hope I say it like, uh, uh, Proclamus or Proclamus from Brazil. I think it's pronounced Proclamus, but it could be Proclamus. (laughs) P-R-O-C-L-A-M-U-S. And, uh, they might pronounce it differently in Brazil than we do here in the U.S. But you, um, put out this, uh, Death, uh, Thoughts EP. Uh, yes, good stuff. I really, I gotta say, um, I sampled like over a dozen of the different uh, bands you've put out lately, 
and this um, is my favorite. Uh, th- these guys are speaking my language. I gotta admit, I noticed kind of like an a, a old Mortification, classic death metal Mortification vibe, not unlike Scrolls, yeah. but with other old school elements, uh, maybe more along the lines of like your Barnes era Cannibal Corpse and Old Death uh, before they got too ambitious. Uh, you know, not the ambitious death is a bad thing, but um, this band reminded me of Classic Death and an Obituary. Is that fair to say? Yeah. The, uh, what's weird is being in Brazil and hearing the hearing the touch of the New York death metal in there. And I heard it before I released it. And it's so funny that you would you would say the same thing because I, I hear it too. <laughs> quality stuff. Quality stuff, man. Um, I really, really good. Yeah, real stuff. I enjoyed that band. Anti Demon, I thought was great too. It's funny we have a we have a, a reoccurring theme here on the podcast where I refer to a band as Metal of Death because they have this, like, really super cryptic, dark uh, production, and it's raw. And I, I would call Anti-Demon that, but they're a Christian band, so I don't, I don't want to ruffle any feathers, man. But they're, they're a raw band for sure. Um, oh, yeah. And um, uh, now another thing I wanted to get to, uh, I want to make sure we definitely uh, cover this because it, it was interesting to me, is you put out a band, uh, Temple of Perdition, uh, Homage to the Dead full length, right? Yes, I was wondering if that was going to come up. <laughs> oh, 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 boy. Well, so, uh, you know, not to put you on the spot, um, but I, in doing the research, I noticed right on there, Metallum, uh, I think what, what you're getting at, right, is uh, in, in October, you put out the album in May, and by uh, October, it says reportedly on the internet that half the band left, and your label uh, dropped them due to the band going if I pronounce this right, uh, Kabbalistic rather than Christian in theme. Is that correct? Well, now it went from Kabbalistic to straight Satanism. So, hmm. um, okay. What, uh, actually, I, he's trying to do something called Middle Path Ministries, where it's like yin and yang, where you use both good and evil to live your life out kind of a thing. So, so it's secular, really. Yeah, it's pretty much it's like a, a secular thing, and it's kind of like based on, you know, Tibetan old-style religion, the yin and yang and stuff like that, but, um, you know, it's definitely not a Christian thing, and unfortunately, when that happened, we, we actually we lost like $7,000 dropping them. Wow. Um, which, hey, that's a big loss. Big, big loss. <laughs> um, but when you're being true to what you are, you stand up for what you believe in so yeah it's real integrity um, man i appreciate that it well it's kind of like in the black metal world too you know when somebody comes in the scene and people are like that dude's a poser you know no that's it's like it's it's kind of like the same thing you know you can't you're standing up for the scene and you've got to have especially the christian scene because you're, you're holding up to a biblical standard so certainly couldn't put out something that wasn't in a biblical sense for us because it wasn't what we're, you know, our ministry is about at all. I mean, we're about extreme Christian metal music. All it can be, you know, like old sore throat versus, you know, noise or whatever. Right? That, that, that's all good. But once it reaches into, it's not Christian stuff and it's into a whole different thing. That's that's not for us. Yeah, it's not about the style. It's about the message for you. So uh... Right, the message. And, you know, of course, they got to be extreme music and stuff, but. You know, it's definitely about the message before anything. So, uh, have, is this the first time you've uh, stopped working with the band for for uh, this th- is that the type very of first time? Yeah, the very first time. It's happened to pretty much any other label that's gotten anywhere. 
not that I'm saying we got anywhere. I mean, everybody else would have to be the judge of that. But um, I figured it would happen someday. It has happened. Um, I can't say it will never happen again, but I will do everything I can do in my power <laughs> by myself to make sure that that doesn't happen again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that, that sounds, uh, we might, uh, to be honest, we might want to reach out to those guys and see where their head's at because that sounds like uh, an interesting story. And I also noticed that um, at some point just last year, uh, Steve, if I say his, his name right, Steve Racious and um, uh, yeah. Luke Reno of Crimson Thorn were working with that band? Yes. And um, Ronnie from Manchester. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the first two people that had quit was uh, Steve and a female from Finland with really awesome vocals. Her name's Henna. They were the first ones to quit. And then after Steve quit, Luke decided he was going to be done. Ronnie stood by his side and said, you know, hey, he appreciates my talent. I'm still going to sing for him. And um, then the dude from Temple of Perdition kicked him out of the band. Mm. <laughs> okay. So. All right. Yeah, interesting, man. All right. So um, we'll leave that where it is. But the Homage to the Dead album that you put out is a really interesting uh, kind of atmospheric, heavy, blackened doom album uh, for what it is. And um, something else I just want to talk about quickly is Since the Death from Sweden. Um, yes. Uh, uh, Oscar Rash is the guy's name, I be Or Oscar Rask is, is the guy's name, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. It's a one-man band. Rask, yeah. Yeah, yeah Oscar Rask. Uh, one-man band, but he does play live drums, which you don't always see with the one-man projects. Right. Um, it's a one-man band, but um, there are session members that play everything else. Okay, all right. So it's kind of a full band, but not a full band. It's session members, but they are talking about playing live. Um, when I first heard them, I w- I've been waiting for that band that had that old Venomy slash Celtic Frost, you know, maybe mixed with some new stuff kind of sound. And as soon as I heard that, uh, I literally was 30 seconds into the first song contacting them saying, <laughs> hey, I want to do something with you. <laughs> I, I gotta admit, as much as I liked um, Proclamus, I think Since the Death is probably my number two band on, on your label in terms of what I like, because you're right, it has a really old school, raw, black death vibe, but there's something dark and abstract and weird about it, too. It's like, there's, yes. I don't want to use the technical word, but there's something in the arrangement and the songwriting that's just a little, like, skewed, you know, and um, definitely not what you'd expect from a Christian band. No, uh, and that's that's said about a lot of our releases too. Yes, we, we know which is a good thing because that's what we're aiming for. I mean, we wanna we wanna get out there in the metal realm. You know, we it's, it's metal. We wanna get out there in the metal realm. Yeah, you know, and then plus there are like I said, there are some people as well that you know they've had enough of the same 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 thing, and you know we're here for that alternative as well. So it's good to have options. <laughs> And uh, now, one um, one one last question I want to ask you. You mentioned before about uh, you know when we talked about the, the whole situation with Temple of Perdition, um, uh, the idea of kind of like Christian scene posers. I know maybe in like maybe the deathcore and the bigger, more commercial markets, you probably have artists that aren't really Christian that are just trying to look for that easy sell. Um, have you have you experienced anything like that in the Christian metal scene uh, with with like false Christians, I guess, so to speak? There, there's a lot of people that can always claim anything, you know, Christianity, Satanism, or whatever. You know, there's it just like, just like there's the one kid, the I don't know, 
the goofy kid in his bedroom that's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a hardcore Satanist that doesn't even have a Satanic Bible or any witchcraft books or anything else. There, there is, unfortunately, Christians that are the same way. They don't, don't even so, have a Bible in their house? They, everything that they say is nothing to do with anything, they, you know, and the way that they act, and they'll call me on the phone, and they're just viciously attacking their band members, and it's just, you know, I avoid those bands. Whenever those bands come to me, they're they're not on our label. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. Um, uh, and um, so, you know, be- before we wrap up talking about the label and kind of segue and asking you to recommend some music, is there any other uh, re- new releases or anything coming up that you want to speak about um, from your label, Vision of God Records? Um, we will be doing the brand new Anti-Demon album, hopefully this year. They're trying to get it finished written up. They uh, had an end-of-the-year tour over in Europe, and it went all the way to the end of January, I think it was. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit behind, but um, that's supposed to be coming this year, and um, more memoriam stuff um, and then a couple of other projects that I'm starting they haven't started yet but um, Spilling the Blood of the Devil which is I would say kind of like a malicious hate part two without the other members <laughs> oh so that's your band yeah Spilling the Blood of the Devil um, nothing's been done yet but their songs written and hopefully going to be recording soon Okay, is that is it just you? It's pretty much just me right now, but um, I have a feeling once I get stuff going that I'll have other members join. Okay, all right. Um, so, all right, so Dwayne, um, could I ask you now to recommend uh, one classic uh, older music release and one newer music release for our listeners? Being from my label or just being from anywhere? Oh no! Just uh, this is just something we do with every guest from anywhere. Any, just anything you like from your personal taste doesn't even have to be metal. Uh, just a lot of people who listen to the podcast tune in and check out new music based on uh, what we talk about. Oh, um, in terms of like vicious black metal, there's a band called Scald and Buem. They're not on my label. They're on Rottweiler Records, which is a buddy of mine. What, what was the name of the they band? Are the name of the band again? Scald. Scald. S-K-A-L-D. In Viewum. And it's just, you listen to that and it's like, it's just vicious. Like old Marduk. Like, just, it's just vicious. Every song's just vicious. On on Rottweiler Records? Yep, that's on Rottweiler. Okay, and um, that's, a, new, that's a, a, a newer band that's out now? Uh, yeah, yep. They actually just came out. Uh, they had an EP called um, One... 1,260 days and then 1,260 days later they released their full length. <laughs> what is that a, a, <laughs> um, a biblical reference or, or something? Yeah, actually it is, yeah. And for them to get it all released and everything on the same day is like a good thing, major thing to take care of because it was vinyl and CD and you know, sometimes pressing plants run behind that sort of thing, but they got it all out on time. Wow! As someone who's who's been in bands for many years doing DIY, that is an act of God. If it all comes together like that, that's great. <laughs> right. Uh, um, what What is the biblical reference? Uh, the, I guess a kind of a, a, a Cliff's Notes version, if if it's possible. Um, to be honest, I I haven't gone into their lyrics enough. Okay. To sit down and say what they are lyrically, except for. Musically, it's old Marduk style. Um, okay. 
I, unfortunately, sometimes I get so busy that I don't get to read lyrics for a couple of months, and that's one of them I haven't gotten to read yet. <laughs> yeah, well, the you know the lyrics don't necessarily it, it, in death metal and black metal. We all know the, the deal with the lyrics and the vocals, man. Um, uh, and what about a uh, an older release of, uh, that you'd like to recommend? An older release. Um, ooh, let's see. I mean, in terms of like older stuff and like the non-Christian realm, you know, I still love stuff like Internal Bleeding and mm. Cryptopsy, you know, all the all the good real stuff. The first two carcasses, Napalm Death from Enslavement is probably the all-time best album of all time I, in my in my eyes. From um, Enslavement to Obliteration by Napalm Death, that's a classic grindcore release, yes. Yeah, I, I listened to it last night, actually. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man. Awesome, man. Yeah, and all uh, the other stuff you mentioned too. Uh, you know, in, obviously internal bleeding. I'm from Long Island, man, so we got a, a special um, uh, place in my heart for them. Uh, and the listeners can obviously go back and listen to our interview with uh, Frank Rainey, um, classic, uh, not the original singer, but one of the um, iconic singers from the '90s. Uh, yes, uh, me and Frank are good friends. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, Uncle Frank, man, really, really nice guy. Got, got, I got a lot of love for Frank, man. He's a good guy. Yeah, in fact, when they just did the recent tour, I didn't get to make it down to Harpo's when they played Detroit, but he's like, you need to make it down. We're doing a most say cover. I don't know if they ever did it or not, but yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah, I got. I'll ask him, man. We'll do the follow-up on that, man. Um, <laughs> Dwayne, man, uh, this interview went very quick, man. I, I looked up, and all, all of a sudden, an hour had gone by, dude. Uh, you know, hopefully, maybe we could talk to you again in the future when you have something to promote, uh, to promote or something. Yeah, anytime, bro. I'm always ready to do interviews and share music and things like that with you. Yeah, thank you very much for your time. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, and we wish you the best uh, in the future with Vision of God Records, Christian Metal Underground Records, uh, and your band Memoriam. Uh, and, and I'm sorry, what was the new project? Was it Spilling the Blood of the Devil? Yes. Okay, so we wish you the best of luck with all that, and uh, thank you for your time, Dwayne. Thank you. Wish you the best as well. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, cheers, man. Yeah, uh, any uh, parting words for our listeners or um, uh, fans and friends of yours who may have uh, listened? If you want to check out some extreme Christian metal, come check us out at visionofthegodrecords.com. We can always use the support. So all support goes to new releases, keeping everything rolling. I don't take any pay for doing it. Um, I do it out of the love for the theme. Um, and if I took pay, we wouldn't be able to put out as many releases as we do. So just know when you're supporting us you're not lining my pocket making me fat sitting in a chair you're uh you're actually supporting the label and everything goes and stays in the label because that's just how it needs to be underground that's right awesome man all right Dwayne. thank you very much again for your time brother have a great night you too take care guys see you man later brother bye So that was uh, our interview with Dwayne Keith II. Um, a really interesting guy. Uh, a lot of, lot of stories, a lot to talk about. Um, I enjoyed that interview, man. It went by quick. Yeah, um, good listen. A lot to say. A versatile guy. You know, he's yeah, yeah. Musically, you know, he's been everywhere. 
Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, he uh, he sticks to his guns, man. He's got his beliefs. Uh, and he's got integrity about them in the way he runs his label. Uh, some uh, interesting stories about um, those bands. And, the, and that Temple of Perdition band. Uh, interesting what, I guess, we. I'd like to get to the bottom of that. Uh, but that's a whole episode for a different uh, a podcast for a different episode. Yeah, that could be a longer topic. Yeah. Speaking of uh, longer topics, man, um, there's not much longer that I'm going to make you wait for me to recommend you a classic death metal album. Ooh. All right, so I, I guess I'll start with my new one first. Uh, let, let me tell you about how I got my new one. Spill uh, the beans. I was just a couple weeks ago. I'm I'm uh, working at home and I I go to collect the mail and I I find a package in the mail and it, it is addressed to me. So I <laughs> open it up and it's a cassette and I was like, who sent me this cassette? I have no idea. So after a few minutes of digging around. I realized that I had made a drunken purchase. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> so, you. I want to thank myself, my drinking self, uh, because I got some cool shit. Wait, what did you get? I got this band called Ruin Lust. Ruin Lust? What's spelling of ruin? Uh, R-U-I-N. Ruin Lust. Ruin okay. Lust, yeah. Hit me over the head with these guys. What are they all about? So Ruin Lust Sacrifice came out in 2019. Indie release. It's a very dark atmospheric ultra cavernous sound at times it's raw but it's not like gross it's noisy with a purpose i like that it's not just noise for the sake of it it seems to be mixed right where this band needs to be sitting um it was recorded in 2014 mixed in 2017 and released in 2019 they took their time yeah as all black metal albums should be the band was active for a while, but it seems that they were on hiatus. And uh, now it seems like they're making a dash for it because they have another album coming out in March of this year. Okay. On 20 Bucks Spin, great label. Okay. Um, that's called The Choir of Babel. Mm-hmm. So keep your eyes peeled for that. But I highly recommend going back to this uh, interesting 2004 official release, 2019 Sacrifice. Okay, 2014, album. right? 2014. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so it uh, this this one was in the oven on slow cook. Yes, exactly. Oh, wow, yeah. I, I got to say, it's it's it was worth it because it's good. It's all the way through, puts you in the mindset. I don't know if I would call it metal of death. The uh, It's very black metal. The, the guitars are hot. Yes. Yeah, it's it's hot. Ooh, yeah. It's murky, but it still has the high end going. Yeah, on. yeah. It's it's a it's like a painful guitar tone, man. This is this is some raw stuff. The vocalist is very very on the um, on the death metal side of things. Okay, which I like. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I always like that nice merging of the death metal vocal with the black metal writing. Um, and it's not just straight black metal, as we can hear right here. They they kind of bounce back and forth between um, those those churning kind of nonstop black metal riffs into kind of kind of i wouldn't call this beat down but it has space in it i, I don't know what this it just sounds angry and tough and kind of like i, I like uncomfortable yes yeah yeah so check out ruin lust's sacrifice and keep your eyes peeled for their new album choir of Babel, on 20 bucks spin later in march peep it
Okay, so uh, my new release, uh, I'm bending the, the new rules a little bit. It's from 2018, uh, but it's very important to me, man, especially in light of... Uh, we recently did an episode where I kind of tried to break down gore grind a little bit for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Meat Spreader from Poland with their album A Swarm of Green Flies Over the Rusty Pot. Uh, came out on Obliteration Records, the classic Japanese label, which I've talked about also on the podcast. And this is, uh, it's not your average Polish gore grind band, although your average Polish gore grind band is usually pretty sick. This um, is... you, you mentioned this um, in our conversation with Dwayne. Meat yes. Spreader. Yeah, yes, okay. I, I foreshadowed this recommendation. Yeah, I'm glad you're bringing it <laughs> in because you tickled <laughs> my fans there. And oh, now yeah. here we are. I'm not playing games, man. I know what I'm doing here. Um... This is yeah. This is a band that's actually got uh, members of Squash Bowels, Neuropathia, and uh, legacy members of Dead Infection, Jaro and Toka uh, on vocals and guitar. And uh, it's not Dead Infection. It's not Squash Bowels. And it's not Neuropathia. But it is and sounds like a Polish gore grind super group. Um, this is great stuff. You can definitely hear the uh, the influence in the writing of uh, of these guys, where it, where it sounds a little bit like Dead Infection. The bass sound, because it's the bass player of uh, Squ- of uh, Squash Bowls. He um he kills it, man. The bass just sounds chunky. I always remember a friend describing Squash Bowls' bass tone as milky back in the day, and it kind of fits. Maybe curdled milky. Curdled milk. Yeah. yeah. Just there's so when you listen to it, it just has a smoothness to it, but um a viscosity, if you will. Ooh. But uh, this is really solid grindcore. I feel like these guys are having a lot of fun. They're a little bit older, and they're going back to their roots of maybe like old Carcass, uh, old Impetigo, the classic Earache roster. A lot of the stuff I talked about in that Gore Grind episode. Um, yeah, this album cover is very uh, Carcass. Yeah, yeah. faction there. That's uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Clearly, like a uh, kind of a tribute in a way, a throwback to the old classic Carcass artwork. Tastefully uh, done. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, the, again, with the music, not breaking uh, the um, uh, mold on, on anything new here, but this is classic, well-done grindcore and gore grind, well-produced, and this is the closest thing we're going to get to that like golden era dead infection, I think, in this day and age, man. And it, it It's really cool to hear these guys getting together and kind of doing what we, or at least what I know and love them for. My old oh boy yeah um, my old recommendation tonight is Disgracia, Septical Stomach Pumped Remnants from 2003 on United Guttural Records. Uh, 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 I'm having a seizure right now. Tom just killed me with this. Could you spell the band name, please, sir? Yes, it's D Y S C R A S I A. Okay, I am going in the interest of transparency and out of respect for our listeners, I'm not going to front. And I have respect for you, Tom. I did not check this band out when United Guttural put this out. Uh, I missed it. Here I am listening to it and loving it and regretting not hearing it. Uh, go on, sir. Extremely brutal death metal, 
somewhat slam outfit from Madison, Wisconsin. Okie doke. They got that unrelenting, gross, ignorant, <laughs> ignorant sound that I I got to dive into every The now. vocals, man. Right? This dude is killing it. So, um, flex again. <laughs> Actually, I'm double flexing tonight. Dude, uh, you just flexed with all four limbs. I, I'm, I have been going to the gym. Wait, is that a physical format? Yes. You own this? Yes. You motherfucker. <laughs> I'm so angry right now. Dude, I'm flexing. All uh, right. So anyways, um, if you read the booklet inside, it lets the listener know how ignorant this album truly is. You don't even need to press play. The inside clearly states that, quote, there are no vocal effects, triggers, lyrics, or sobriety used in the creation of this album. Who needs any of that shit anyway? Listen to this final product. When you got well-practiced riffs and beefy slams, no sobriety at all, for a bunch of drunk guys, as they claim to be, this shit is tight. I'm getting vibes of uh, Cop Premises, uh, Polo Paguntalan's old band. Yeah, dude. This is sick. Man. Uh, there's always a couple of bands that, that fall through the, the cracks, you know, with these old labels, man, and, and this is one of them for me. Can't tell you guys enough. If, if, if you're liking what you hear right now, check out Disgracia Septical Stomach Pump Remnants Jeez. from United Guttural Records. Ooh. Okay, I'm very excited about this old school recommendation that I'm making right now. This is the best thing I've ever heard already. <laughs> I love this. This is Natron from Italy. And yes, sir, I got a physical format CD here. Um, I'm actually uh, recommending their um, Necrospective compilation album that came out in 2002. It's a, it's a collection of their first three releases, their first two demos and their first full-length, Hung, Drawn, and Quartered, uh, are all collected on this Necrospective CD that was released by Holy Records, uh, a French label, um, in 2002. Um, and it has their Hung, Drawn, and Quartered album from 97, their A Taste of Blood demo, and their Force demo. Uh, this is a band that has gone on to release five full-lengths since then, two EPs, uh, no slouches, uh, still allegedly around. They haven't done anything since 2014. Um, and I'm not too familiar with their last few full lengths. I have to go back and do my homework on that. But um, this is a band who I was very into in the late 90s and early 2000s. A friend of mine had their first two demos uh, and taped them for me. And then I saw this Necrospective CD released around 2004 or five. I saw it probably a few years after it came out and I bought it. And um, I, I put it on the shelf haven't listened to it in quite some time, and I, I just kicked it a few days ago, and I've been listening to it in the car driving around. And this occurred to me as something I'd recommend to, to fans of Defeated Sanity, uh, Wormed, uh, at Discord's California, and that kind of style of technical, brutal death metal. Um, very like a, very much an underrated sleeper band, if you will. 
Yeah, I've never heard of this band. I, I really uh, so really many people are sleeping excellent. on this band, and it occurred to me I got to recommend this because since this band came out and I was into them, Defeated Sanity and Wormed have risen to prominence in the death metal scene. Yeah, and, this would fit really well with that. Oh well yeah, well with that bill. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. A lot of suffocation in here too, man. A lot of pyrexia in here too, man. This is like very good, brutal technical death metal of the late '90s variety. Uh, really under un, unsung heroes of that genre, if you will. Natron from Italy, man. Really good Italian band. Uh, and uh, as I said, this Necrospective uh, CD that I own is their first two demos and their first album, Hung, Drawn, and Quartered. So that first album, Hung, Drawn, and Quartered, is a really good way to go, too, if you're just looking for one release to, to hone in on before you check out their uh, expansive discography. They have quite a few albums out. I can't vouch for the last few albums simply because I have not heard them yet. But uh, I would I would be very surprised if these guys fell off. So I am going to uh, go further into the world of Natron this week going forward because I'm uh, very curious what they've done since. But uh, I, I, I encourage everyone else to do the same and start with Hung, Drawn, and Quartered or this Necrospective CD that came out on Holy Records in 02. Man, I can't stop thinking about that first riff this came in with. Like, I'm on a lag now. Dude, wait till you hear the next couple of riffs and the riffs and all the rest of these songs. These guys are a riff factory, and uh, this the more you listen to it, the more you hear kind of a suffocation influence, man. It's very good stuff. Mm. And I should note also that I just did the research. Uh, the original guitarist and drummer still um, members of the band currently, or at least up until the last few albums. So I have hope. I'm going to check them out, man. Natron from Italy, man. Let me know what you think if you, if you uh, checked out the other stuff, too. Good recommendations just happening. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited uh, about my. Rec- I'm excited to share my recommendations. Uh, you brought some good recommendations, and um, I'm excited for when Justin returns to recommend something on the program. Yes. Shout to Justin. We missed him this evening. Mm-hmm. He'll be back. He'll yeah. be back. Yeah. He he'll, he will be. He will return. Um, shout to Dwayne Keith the Second of Vision of God Records and Memoriam for sharing his uh, his story with us and talking about uh, some of his releases and his beliefs with us. Uh, very interesting conversation, I believe. I, I enjoyed it. Um, and shout to you, Tom, for all the hard work you do, buddy. Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate Bing it. Bong. Shout uh, out to you for all the research. Hey, and if you want to give us a shout-out or if you want to leave a shout-out for somebody else or whatever you, whatever you do with the old shout-outs nowadays, it's your business. Uh, <laughs> check us out on heavyholepodcast.com. The voicemail number is there. All the social media links are there for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, you want to get on Patreon and support us and get some bonus content and other goodies? That's there, right? Yeah, the link's there. We got some sticker packs up as of right now. Order stickers. We're working on more merch to come. It's You know what? It's just the home now. We've gone yeah. from plugging everything. No. Just go to the website now. I don't got time for all that. Just go to heavyholepodcast.com. Peep us out on there, all right? Put us in your bookmark. Visit yeah. us all the time. Yeah, Justin made it. It looks great. Thanks to Justin. Shout out to him again. We miss you, buddy. And that's the heavy old podcast for you. All right. Peace.
Oh, and one. One.